Welcome to Talk is Jericho, the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And guess who's making their Talk is Jericho debut after high public demand? The Nature Boy, Ric Flair, is here. The One of the greatest of all times, even though he just got kicked out of, uh, out of the ring by his daughter Charlotte last night on Raw. Very timely. We recorded this a couple weeks ago, so we're not going to be talking about that. But he is in the news. What we are going to be talking about is his early days in the business, working for Jim Barnett and his first trips to Japan. He's sharing some great stories about Harley Race, Roddy Piper, uh, remembering the time he went to North Korea in front of 190,000 people for WCW and uh, took a plane over there with Muhammad Ali. And wait till you hear how he escaped some of the serious fan riots that took place uh, at some of his matches. Ric Flair is going to be here, very charming, one of the most charismatic performers in the history of the business, and he makes his talk as Jericho debut here today. Uh, and what a day it's going to be. And before we get to Rick, I want to talk about Extreme Rules, the Asylum match with Dean Ambrose, and man, what a match it was. That makes me laugh. One of the first things I ever heard um, and was taught when I got in the business is if, if you have a gimmick match, use the gimmick. And the gimmick was the Ambrose Asylum, which was a cage with the other trellis above it, and on all of these, uh, on the trellis was hung all of these weapons. So the idea is you use the weapons. And I enjoyed the match. I think it was put together so well. We started with the mop, kind of a jokey idea, which, of course, came straight from Vince McMahon. I had them put a bunch of coffee and dirt in that as if he had just mopped a dirty bathroom with it and shove it in my face and that sort of thing. Then we moved to the nunchucks and the two-by-four wrapped in barbed wire, which to me was hilarious because Ambrose really can do nunchucks. And I was like, before when they, they, I saw the nunchucks, I was like, wow, it's, it's too bad you can't use it. And he's like, oh, I can use it. And I was like, really? And he sent me this video of him just whipping these nunchucks all around, which was hilarious. And he's like, you know, he is the type of guy that you would expect could use nunchucks. I mean, my best friend Spewey is like that. You know, Spewey, uh, former guest of Talk is Jericho, future guest. He just had these nunchucks lying in his house one day, and he just started doing it. And it's like there were certain kids that would just sit in front of the mirror when they were kids and do like nunchuck tricks. And I, I tried, but I would always hit myself in the head and knock myself out. And, and Ambrose could actually do it. So I thought, well, that would be a pretty cool spot when he goes for the nunchucks and actually does the tricks. People would love it, you know, and that's kind of what happened. We had a kind of a dead crowd, though, because it had that amazing four-way match right in front of us. But you still got to work the match, and we built it. We built it well. You know, used the gimmick, went to the kendo stick, and went to the straight jacket and the fire extinguisher and the Indian strap, which hurt like hell. That was the worst part was that Indian strap. Gosh, he hit me with it a couple times, and then I had to turn and try and stop it with my legs. That was a shoot. It just killed me. And then, of course, leading up to the amazing reveal with the bucket full of thumbs tax and the funny thing was there was a couple idiots stupid idiots uh, if i can coin my own phrase sitting in the front row and i heard them chanting earlier pg sucks pg sucks and i was like all right you just wait and see what happens here i'm gonna show you how much pg sucks and we were really surprised ambrose and i when because we came up with the idea for the ambrose asylum we were surprised when vince uh allowed us to use the tax hasn't been done in 10 years. It's been that long between tack bumps. And, um, you know, when the finish came in that Ambrose is going over, it's like, I have to take the bump in the tax. You know, I have to. He can't take the bump in the tax and then go on and win. It just doesn't make sense. You know, I, I think we have to protect this this crazy bump because, in my opinion, 
Nobody really knows what a body slam feels like or a suplex, but everyone knows what it's like to get poked with a needle or get a thumbtack stuck in you. We've, we've all had that happen. So people know when that happens, it hurts. And you can actually feel that and, and empathize with it and relate to it. So I was like, you know what, man? We have to use these these tacks and make it like it's a pit of fire. Like it's the worst thing that could ever happen to you is that you fall into these tacks and then you're done. So and another thing too is like we want to tease this. So when he poured the tacks out, it's like – what if we do a bunch of spots where people think, okay, like they're really screwing with us now in the fact that they're actually pouring out the tax and teasing us. Can you imagine how mad people would have been if we would have teased the tax and never actually used them? So anyways, tease it, tease it, tease it. Finally, I go for the code breaker. He slams me down on the tax and, you know, go straight into the, to the DDT and that's to finish the dirty deeds. Now I have been wrestling for almost 26 years. October 3rd will be my 26th year in the business. I have never taken a tack bump in the history of my career. I did a barbed wire match back in 1993 with Beef Wellington, Biff Wellington, that made Canadian headlines because nothing so barbaric had ever been seen ever, you know, in wrestling. It was a little community center, probably in front of 200 people. I think I got paid like a bonus of 150 bucks. I took a couple bumps into the barbed wire, and you know, we didn't even think about cutting the the barbs off of it. But so I've never done a a, a tack bump so when i realized that i was gonna have to take it i was like you know what i'll I'll give it a try i mean you know i've been doing this a long time and 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 what the hell i'll give it a shot so the worst part of that bump was the anticipation of it thinking about it during the match and what's it gonna feel like and finally when i jump up there and, and he's holding me for three four five seconds before he actually deposits me into the tax it's really intimidating like What's it going to feel like? And then when I got slammed into it, it's more like a shock. Like It'd be like if you're standing on the dock waiting to jump into a a lake with ice on the top. Like You know it's going to be cold. And it's that first moment of jumping into the water where you're just like, oh, my gosh. That's kind of what it felt like. And to take that bump under the the tacks that way, it was a shock, like getting slapped in the face. Now, it hurt a lot, but it's not like it was – stabbing daggers or anything like that it was just weird uncomfortable some of them went down my pants uh which i wore jeans because it was a street fight type of a vibe i wanted to make it stand out as something different from the norm so when i took that bump and i got up and just selling it and screaming and just making people like and then half of it's real like you're screaming about it and then when he gave me the DDT, of course, you put your hand down and three of those tacks stuck in my hand. I don't know if you guys saw that. I, I, I held it up towards the camera because I was like, if I get tacks in my hand, I want people to see this. And those hurt so bad. My hand still hurts right now. My back is okay. My elbows are okay. Uh, still hurting. But the hand is just, it really, really, it's like, I guess, a, a splinter in a lion's paw or something like that. And those are the ones that hurt the most. So doing that match, and then when he turned me over to cover me, all of those tacks were down my down my pants, and it just, I, if you watch, my shoulders are down, but I'm arching my back up because I didn't want to have my back pressed down again, and then get up and just screaming, and, and then the refs are trying to take the tacks out, and I was just kicking and screaming and telling them all to F off, and it's like I didn't want anybody near me that wasn't a doctor at that point. So we went to the back, and if you go on WWE.com, there's some great footage of the doctors actually taking the tacks 
out of my body. And there was 68 tacks that they took out. 68 tacks were stuck in me and stuck in my back and stuck in my arms and stuck in my elbows. And um, didn't really feel all that weird. But it still hurt, you know, getting into the shower after and having all those pinpricks. And it's just like, ugh. I remember Kane threw me through a, a sugar glass window years ago. I don't know if you guys remember that. And that hurt a lot in the shower because even though it's sugar glass, quote unquote, it's still, it still has, you know, it's, it's, it's um, like little shards of glass stuck inside of you. So still hurt. And and was very burning like in the shower, but it wasn't like that with the tax. It still was very uncomfortable. But the thing was, I went and sat down after all the tax were taken out, and I poked myself, and I was like, "What the hell?" And there was an, one lone tack left in my jeans that poked me in the ass when I sat down to make it number sixty nine. So there you go, sixty nine tax uh, pulled out of my body, taking my one and I would tell you this only tack bump. And worth every penny of it, worth every moment. A, a great match uh, in a different way from the four-way. The fans were going bonkers at the end. And that's what it's all about. You know, sometimes you get a quiet crowd and you build it. It's like Stairway to Heaven. Starts out slow and quiet and ends up uh, with a, a crashing guitar crescendo. And that's what you want. So uh, a great weekend. I'm really enjoying this run. Well, probably one of my favorite that I've had probably since 2009, I'd say. So uh, for everyone that still thinks I'm going to be leaving next week, I'm not going to tell you how long I'm staying in the WWE, but as you see, I'm going to be in the Money in the Bank uh, match. So uh, there you go. Very excited to be here in the WWE and pulling tax out of my ass, uh, doing it for you. So um, great time, great weekend. One quick note I want to uh, say uh, rest in peace to Nick Menza, uh, drummer from Megadeth during their glory years. He drummed on Rust in Peace. And he was on uh, uh, Countdown to Extinction and Euthanasia and kind of their their early 90s glory years. Great drummer. Never actually met him, but uh, just a horrible tragedy. Passed away while on stage rocking, which is kind of the way I always expected Lemmy to pass away. But uh, rest in peace and wishes to Nick Menz's family, uh, one of the brothers, Fallen. So anyways... Uh, Cheers to Nick, cheers to Ambrose, cheers to all of you, and cheers to Ric Flair, who is here to tell some great stories uh, of his storied career. I could probably do an eight-hour podcast with Flair, but we got to start somewhere, and we did. Perfect timing since he's now, uh, I don't know what he's doing. He got kicked out of the ring, like I said, by Charlotte, and I'm not sure exactly what's going on, but uh, he is here with me. Perfect, perfect timing. But I'll tell you what, um, the first thing I did uh, today, Monday morning, uh, after that ridiculous asylum match, it was doing some DDP yoga. I was very, very sore. Uh, I did a workout this morning. It helped me to loosen up, which I needed, stretched out, and uh, made me all better for my match with Apollo Crews, which I really enjoyed as well. And uh, I enjoyed doing my DDP yoga on the DDP yoga app because I can do those workouts right from my phone. And DDP yoga has always been easy to do anywhere, but the app has made it even more simple because now I don't have to worry about lugging around DVDs and a DVD player. I just find a spot wherever I am, hotel, backstage, at home, in the dress room, open up the app, and get to work. 
Workman. Dallas has thought of everything with this app. He's got a version for iPhones, one for Android. You can even access exclusive live workouts from the DDP Performance Center in Atlanta, Georgia, as well as cooking shows so you can learn healthier ways to make your food. Dallas has nutrition guides, a chart to track your progress. You can earn points on the app and redeem them for rewards and DDP Yoga merch. The more uh, more yoga you do, the more rewards you get. And it's again, it's all on your phone, so you can do it anywhere. Dallas has made it that easy for you. I'm telling you, it's one of the best constructed apps as well, technologically advanced, uh, the perfect way to do DDP yoga, stay in shape, get in shape, be in shape, whatever you want to do. And check this out. How's this for a deal? DDP is hooking you guys up, the sexy beast listeners of Talk is Jericho. If you buy the DDP yoga program at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho, you'll get three free months of the app. Okay, so change your life with DDP yoga. Take advantage of this great offer. Buy the DDP yoga now uh, program now at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho and get three free months of the app with your purchase. Okay, this is the way to go. Get started today. ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Get in the best shape of your life and do it today. This really works. Talk is Jericho. All right, so uh, here in Kansas City with uh, with the legendary Ric Flair, who was on fire today. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I showed up and you said you said your jaw was broken and you couldn't do well, the show. It's still is. I'm doing this as a favor to you. <laughs> Can anybody understand me? <laughs> <laughs> and then you got uh, Charlotte Ashley told that she's going to drop the, the tra- this title today. Yeah, SmackDown. <laughs> I was that, by the way, first of all, traveling with your daughter. Um, I avoided it as much as possible. Yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding? You guys drive each other nuts? We have our moments. I can assure you the 15 days in Europe was not a picnic. Jeez. God forbid I have an opinion. Oh, yeah. It's weird for you, too, though, because you kind of have to behave in some ways. Exactly. Yeah, all the time, yeah. right? Well, it's not like it used to be anyway, but it's just, you know, just it, uh, she keeps me on my toes. Yeah. yeah. But it's cool, though, because we're here in Kansas City, and mm-hmm. this is one of the things we finally get a chance to sit down and talk, because I was trying to think, what can we talk about that you haven't talked about a thousand times before? And we're talking about some of the characters that you know, because you yeah. always have these random stories about these guys yeah. that a lot, a lot of people know about. But it seems like you know Kansas City and St. Louis and the Chicago, that was kind of a really, really big part of the, of the country, territory-wise, when you were NWA champion. It was. Well, Chicago actually was, uh, that was, that was Vernstown. Yeah. Okay. But I did work for Vern as the AW, as the NWA champion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Vern saw that a couple of times and brought me in. Um, but uh, um, you know, God, I was telling someone yesterday in St. Louis when we were together that um, a guy walked up to me and said, "I was here the night you wrestled Dick the Bruiser, not in that building, but at, at the Kiel Auditorium. Mm-hmm. You know, that 1981, right? Two out of three falls. You know, 45 <laughs> minutes with Dick the Bruiser, and I actually wrestled Dick about God maybe eight times." Over two years there, he was a huge card because he was a huge draw in that Saint. Because yeah. that was was that was that uh, who was running that territory? Sam Mushnick. Mushnick. Yeah, it wasn't a territory; it was just one town. It was something. Just St. Louis. Yeah, yeah. But Geigel had points there. Geigel. Mushnick, Harley had points, and Pat O'Connor. Okay, yeah. so when you're coming and through, a guy named Bill Longson, old time wrestler, and it was based around St. Louis, Kansas City. No, no, just St. Louis for just the Mushnick territory. Yep. And that was wrestling at the keel. It was called wrestling, wrestling at the chase. Was where they made TV Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. So what I would do because I was a gym champion, it was brutal. I'd work there Friday night to fly out Saturday morning early to be on uh, TBS in Atlanta to make that show, and then fly somewhere that night to work that night, and then fly out 
first thing in the morning to be on Wrestling at the Chase. Hmm. You know, it was a, an unbelievable schedule. Hmm. So, um, and at that time, Wrestling at the Chase was the number one rated television show live in the country. Wow. And guess who their sponsor was? Who? McDonald's. First people to ever sponsor wrestling. Really? Yeah, think about that. A lot of history in that statement right there. Well, because plus, you know, that Vince has probably been trailing McDonald's for years yeah. to try and get them a sponsor yeah, now. Yeah. But no, it's huge. Huge. And that was a one-hour show, but it was live at the Chase. That was huge. Like a Saturday morning show? Yeah, with two, two interviews and two 20-minute matches. Wow. Yeah. And but, you didn't... And, yeah, it was, it was, but it was over huge. I mean, it was... I think it started in the 60s, you know. But this is, what are you talking about, this is kind of early 80s around this time frame? This time frame was the 80s for me, yeah, early 80s. So when you talk about working with a guy, you're, you're the NWA champion, so the, the idea is that you would come in as the heel mm-hmm. and work with the top baby face yeah. in or, each city or, or whatever. The, whoever they brought in, because it wouldn't be, um, I mean, I wrestled everybody there from, uh, you know, using Dick the Bruiser, right? Gene Kaniski, the Funks, mm-hmm. Jack Briscoe many times, um... TBSC Jerry Blackwell when he was a champion um, in Minneapolis, Big Jerry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, DBSC all the Von Erics. Um, I wrestled Dusty there. They just brought in talent from everywhere. I mean, it was really it was a big deal to get invited to St. Louis. Hmm. And, and I was telling the guys yesterday. I was telling Pat Patterson that you were in the main event at the Keel back then, right? Ten thousand seats, and it was sold out every time, right? Your, your payoff. Guess guess what my payoff was. For and, and, my, and my partner. And, and my opponent. So if it's ten thousand, what would the house be on that? But maybe hundred grand on that? Or no, 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 God, fifty grand. Would be like sixty-two, yeah, sixty-two thousand. So would you make five grand? Six thousand. Wow. So did my opponent. Everybody wanted to work. There. Wow, that's ten percent of the gate. The opening match was making fifteen hundred bucks. Really? Yeah, Sam paid great. He paid like Paul Bosch. Hmm. Yep. So the guy, you know, he didn't have to have all the money. He wanted the best talent, and they came. So knowing that if he paid well, that everyone would come and work hard for him. Well, not only that, but it was a, it was a notoriety. I mean, it had the same mystique to everybody else that the garden had to people mm, with the old right. WWF, whatever. So what is your mindset? Like, because you come into work, let's say a guy like Dick the Bruiser. Yeah. Very much just a brawling, yeah. meat and potatoes yeah. type yeah. guy. And are you working 60 minutes with him? No, no, never. Did. 45 is the longest, but that's a long time with Dick, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So what's, what's your mindset coming in there? What, what do you think? Well, I was excited. I mean, for, I, I was just, I grew up with such a huge fan of his. You know, because mm-hmm. he wrestled in Minneapolis with the Crusher. Yeah. He was in Crusher and... Uh, you know who came to Winnipeg? I'm sure many times. Many times, yeah, died. absolutely. We didn't like them, right? Yeah, you know, and uh, yeah, we just really, and it was easy to business with. You know, um, as a matter of fact, he let me put the figure four and wanted to get a fall on him. Right, mm. the first time anybody had ever done that to get a fall on Dick, I had to, I grabbed the rope and he went down. He didn't give up. But Two, three. Mm. That's why I got one fall on. Yeah. Ah, okay. Were most yeah. of those matches two out of three falls? Yeah. Championship yeah, matches? Yeah. yeah, and I did the D- it would be a DQ, you know, I never beat him. Mm-hmm. But I did get a fall on him a couple times, you know. But, but they never did that. But he, he didn't put anybody over when he was younger, you know. Right. At all. No, nobody. <laughs> <laughs> so you're talking. He, and he'd made so much money with the Indianapolis promotion with Barnett back in the day, you know, with a, who was the guy that was in San Francisco. That was Dick's partner originally. Um, the guy that went out to uh, with Ray and and Pat. Um, yeah, yeah, I can't remember his name. I'm thinking Crusher, but it wasn't Crusher. No, it was no, a Winnipeg thing. Milwaukee. Yeah, 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 right. No, it's the guy. I'll, his name will come to me. Ray uh, Stevens. No, no. Uh, hmm. Their promoter that promoted Ray and Pat. Um, LaBelle? 
No, that's California. That's L.A. It's it's his name is Shire. Roy Shire. There you go. Yeah. Roy Shire and Bruiser were, and Barnett were partners in Indianapolis. That territory was huge. And Wilbur Snyder and all those guys. It was great. So yeah. what happens when you come down to the Kansas City area then? So what's the difference between St. Louis and Kansas City? Night and day. Okay, <laughs> tell the me. worst. <laughs> I used to say I was going to Moscow for a week. Because <laughs> I literally, even in Kansas City here, I didn't wrestle Harley or Brody. And it was A or B. Um, it was terrible. It was a nightmare. The other guys you'd have to work with? Fifteen hundred dollars, fifteen hundred people at the most. Wow. It only held three thousand, but it would sell out with Bruiser or Harley. But they couldn't get anybody to come in here because, you know, as a champion, nobody want with bought Geigel didn't pay. Mm. To this day Geigel owes me twelve hundred bucks. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Still remember, right? Made a champion, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But would you be forced to come down like you had to come here because that was the schedule for, for you as a champ? But yeah, it was the way it ran, it was almost like Florida. It was um, I'd come in on Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. So Monday was Wichita, Tuesday, Kansas City, Wednesday would be um, Topeka, right? Um, Thursday could be anywhere, Friday would be St. Joe, uh, usually, or um, which was an easy shot. But I mean, I could be somewhere like, just to be honest, I could be in Springfield, Illinois, too. I mean, there's some real long ones. No, Des Moines, Iowa on mm-hmm. Sunday. Des Moines, wow. Iowa on Sunday. Um, which is 200 miles away. I mean, it, it, it just, it, it, just nobody there. Mm-hmm. There wasn't the buildings or anything, and no security, you know. Come out of the restaurant, come out of the ring, nobody there. You know the story about the guy wearing my robe down in the street getting... Tell the it. Figure, right? What happens? I was wrestling Rufus somewhere, you know. Rufus R. Jones. Rufus R. Jones, probably <laughs> 500 people, hour long, and I had my white robe, one of the best ones I ever had. And there's someone took it upstairs in the locker room, came back, nobody there, nobody there. Kid out in the street wearing my robe, give me the finger. <laughs> Where were you? Up to the third, third floor. Room. Looking down at him. Yeah. What do you do? Nothing. Just what watch. are you going to do? <laughs> Sat down and said, <laughs> screw me. Yeah. He's right. Kill yourself, Ric Flair. <laughs> How much were those robes at the time? Oh, the cheapest one I ever had was like thirty five hundred bucks. Gosh, yeah, I started it. So, I heard one time that Brett had his ring jacket stolen, and then years later, the guy brought it to an autograph signing and asked him if he would sign it. Oh, I've had that happen before. Really? Oh yeah, it just happened to me in uh, Richmond, Virginia. One of my stolen robes. Yeah, but what you can't do anything about it because the person bought it from somebody who yeah, bought, it from somebody. bought it from somebody else. They always got a story, you know. And, it would seem like it's your right to yeah. take it back. Yeah, especially the ones with the Olivia original on it. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Them, right. She was her name was Olivia. She Olivia Walker made all the rules. Remember um, Johnny Walker's wife. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Wrestling, wrestling too. too. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, so, so you're talking about Rufus R. Jones once again. Not a very gifted performer in the ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's because we used to have a guy uh, when I first broke in, Bulldog Bob Brown. Exactly. And he would always brag about how he worked with Ric Flair yeah. for 60 minutes and 90 minutes. And I would assume he did. <laughs> did he much did, to my dismay? Really? Yes. He was just a little bit better than Rufus. <laughs> I'll give you a, something. I bet you didn't know him. You know, Slick, the guy that inducted Boston. Yeah. That's Rufus' son. Oh really? Yeah, I didn't know that till the other day. Oh, no kidding! Hall of Fame in Dallas? No. Okay. I didn't know Troop was the son. Okay. Yeah. So, you, but you really did work with Bulldog Bob Brown as well, just for an hour and for ninety minutes. Bob Brown, I probably wrestled uh, God, over how many? I probably wrestled him fifty times. You're kidding me? No. In all those small towns, he was the Booker. 
He put himself there all the time. Which is what he did throughout Winnipeg yeah. and Calgary and the Maritimes and stuff. And I remember I worked with him when I was just as a young guy. Yeah. And it was just nightmarish, yeah, yeah. nightmare. And he would always, I worked with Ric Flair for 90 minutes. I never called a spot in my life. I'm like, I've been in the business six months. you got to call something. I don't know what to do. No, I know. <laughs> so, a nice guy, but just yeah. strange. But you would have to come in and work with these guys. Yeah, yeah that's why he would come here. It wasn't even, it's not that I hated work. I could get around that. There was just nothing to do at night. Mm. In Kansas City, you know, great, but the other towns, nothing to do. I found it, but I had to look for it. It's <laughs> <laughs> not always good, but it, everything, like everything gets better looking at closing time, right? <laughs> I remember you said one time in St. Louis, you made six grand and spent eight grand at the bar. Probably before I left. That A bar used to be called the Landing. Can you remember the place, Kennedy's? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Go around through there. <laughs> from there to East St. Louis till five in the morning, and right to the airport. <laughs> so, so what other territories at that time frame did you enjoy working in? Because you mentioned how great St. Louis was. I enjoyed it everywhere except here, mm. and, I, and I was lucky enough to work West Texas that much. Um, because by the time that I became champion, that, that Amarillo, Lubbock, all that was pretty much down, and they pretty much closed down the territory. Mm. Even though Terry. And Dory had influence in the NWA. Um, they didn't have it like their dad did. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, um, Dory Sr. Um, had passed away just before I got the title. Mm-hmm. But when he was there, it was Dory, Eddie, Bob Geigel, Sam Mushnick, Barnett, Carlos Colon, Vince McMahon Sr., believe it or not. Mm. Did I say Eddie Graham? No, Eddie Graham. Eddie Graham, Don Owen. Okay. Nine, up to nine guys. Oh, Ron Fuller was on the list, too. All right. And then nine board of directors. So who was the guy that actually made the bookings, like that would call you? So would he call you on a monthly basis, or how did weekly, that? almost weekly and daily, yeah. And say, here's your schedule, and you get a pencil and yep, write it down? Yeah. And every time I had a day off, he'd call me, I could hear it now, Rick, my boy, you're needed on your day off. What do you think? We don't want to piss him off. He's on the board of directors. You better go. <laughs> and what's your choice? None. <laughs> they always called me to go to, to they called it Three Kings Day in um, Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. In San Juan and Carlos was the board director. Plus, but I had fun down there, so it wasn't like shooting myself. But I was wrestling Carlos, who could really work, you know, or, or uh, um, the other kid that could work real well was um, um, Pedro Gonzalez, the one that got in trouble with Brody. Oh, okay. Jose in, and Vader? Yeah, Vader. It could really work. Yeah. Right, right, right. And um, then if Tonga was there back then, Haku, mm-hmm. and uh, he was a 245-pound lean machine. He could really, I wrestled him a lot about him, probably. He was a great worker. Yeah, he was. Hell yes, he was. I worked with him a lot in Japan and never realized how good he is until you get in there with him. Especially when he was smaller. Mm. Yeah, that's a real good worker. So, so you mentioned like I would never have guessed that you enjoyed working with with, with a guy like Tonga. Oh yeah, um, oh yeah, a lot in Puerto Rico, especially. So how about uh, so would you go? You mentioned like like Don Owens, that's Oregon. And, and I'll tell you this: I didn't know how tough Haku was. He, he wasn't Haku then, right? Yeah, I used to chop the crap. You know, he didn't never say anything. I thought pretty cool. Yeah, thank God I didn't know who he was. <laughs> 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 but with a guy like that, you have to work yeah, strong. Oh, yeah, he worked like that snug too. But I, you know, I'm used to that. He, but he was so you know, he could put us to this day and put us. 
Mm. Like in a, in a door jam. It's right, 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 right. From the sumo wrestling. So for some certain guys like that, you show up, you're thinking, okay, this is going to be an easy night. Mm-hmm. And then other nights, of course, you show up and it's just a, it's just yeah, a mess. Yeah. When you're working seven days a week, does that take its toll on you when you're working with the guys that just can't work? Or would you just do as minimal as possible? No, I did the same match. You know me, Everything. Mm-hmm. You know, if I, if I trusted him, I would do anything. Right. It's pretty hard to screw up slamming off the top or suplexing me. Um, Believe it or not, only, I've only had a couple of guys suplexing on top of my head, and I'd be one of them was a warrior when I got the inner air infection in, Char- in Phoenix, Arizona. When Barkley was sitting in the front row, um, <laughs> you mean the Ultimate Warrior? Yeah, here in WWF, yes. WWE. Yeah, ninety-one. Okay, or ninety-two, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, I've only a couple of guys have dropped me on my head. Um, Saruta dropped me on my head all the time, but there's something I could do about that. And the German, mm-hmm, yeah, belly to back suplex, belly to back, right, yeah, right, yeah. They used to say they have three. Uh, There's A, which yeah. is flat. B, yeah. which is on angle. And C is basically on your head. Yeah, yeah. You know? C is Jumbo Saruta. Hey, wow. Yeah. Well, he's a shooter. You know, it, it was he won a bronze medal in the '82 games. Right. But I always heard he was a pretty good worker, though. Or that not the case. Um, I would say it was average. Nothing like Tenru. The guys that could work were Tenru, Fujinami, Chono. Mm-hmm. Guys, you know, there's another kid that's really good. He was in a tag match all the time against the Steiners. Kobashi? Or? No, not. Uh, uh, he's in Congress now. Oh, Hase? Hase. Hase, Hero yeah, Hase, yeah. Really work. Oh, yeah. yeah. Amuda. I mean, mm-hmm. Those are the kind of guys I like working with. When I first went over there, it was like some of the guys just like working with a board, you know? It's not that they couldn't work, it just didn't want to sell anything. Right. Yeah. So what do you do in that position as as the world champion? I guess I'm asking like you know your role as the world champion. Yeah, I did, well, what you supposed to do? And yeah, but I didn't. I didn't. I just I sold. Which mm-hmm. they didn't like that either. But I, you know, <laughs> that never can change my game around, right? Right. Yeah. When I first started doing it, I'd go like this. Whoa! And I'd be the, be the backing off. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not I'm not gonna stand your toe to toe with you all night long. Right. Now even when I tell you what kind of smartened them up because when I worked with Brody and Hanson over there. They both sold me. Mm. They worked with me, American style, probably because they wanted a night off from this crap that they do every night over there. Right. And that was a war with those guys, man. Expe- That's why the, the Japanese loved them. Those guys, were, they, they kill, kill the Japanese kids. I don't care. Yeah. How good an amateur wrestler were. Those guys didn't care. You know, Brody and Hanson beat the hell out of them. I mean, literally. So to have a guy like you to come over with, they yeah. could just have a fun yeah, night and just yeah. work. But it took them a while to understand that. Like, I wasn't going to do anything to them. You know? <laughs> and after a while, the crowd got with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Especially when I wrestled like a guy like Fujinami. Because they were tired of seeing Fujinami get murdered. And, and uh, same with Buddha. I mean, Brody and Hanson just killed us. <laughs> but, you know, they made a lot of money doing it. And well, that's yeah. That's what the fans and promoters wanted. Mm-hmm. The strong style. Yeah. You know, T- Tenro actually, it's funny, I worked with, worked for him for years. Yeah. He reminded me a lot of a Japanese yeah. you. Yeah. He was, uh, his offense was very, yeah. not meat and potatoes, but yeah. there's like chops yeah. and kicks, and yeah. but very, very uh, psychologically sound. Yeah, yeah, no. Really you know? Good. Yeah. He was a, uh, well, he trained in Charlotte. Oh, did he? Yeah, yeah. He trained in Charlotte, so did Fujinami. When I, entered, when I inducted Fujinami last year. We had them both there for over a year. Oh. So Tenor started with me in Steamboat. Really? Then, yeah. So that's where he going. He came over and learned our style, then went back there, you know. Right. Yeah. Same with Fujinami. They wanted to go back and do what they were doing here. <laughs> Why fight for the lives, you know? Some of those guys never get it. I mean, but look how long their careers lasted. Yeah. They didn't. 
So when you're talking about a guy like Tenro, are you driving with him too? Or, or like, were you riding with him from town to town? In the States? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I took him with me. I took all those guys with me. <laughs> <laughs> Them a little Tokyo and Cowboy Lang. <laughs> Hey, Flair, give me a lead, give me a lead, give me a lead. Come on, Flair, give me a lead, give me a lead. The nature boy, come on. It's hard to get a midget lead, cowboy. Calm down. I'll do what I can. You have to put your hose in your cowboy boot tonight and walk around naked in the bar, but we'll get it done. Which he did for me on a regular basis. Pretty interesting. <laughs> I always try to get your number in this podcast. You know what I mean? yeah, that's it, brother. Good thing we're just on coffee. I know, right? No kidding, man. Who's the second half of the bar? Uh, yeah, trust me, this is part one of many. <laughs> I always notice that the 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 little guys, the the cowboy langs and farmer Pete's, right? love hanging out with me. Oh, I, mean, I I'd always get them laid. Oh yeah, it was tremendous. <laughs> you get a, a little person laid. Uh, well, the, with a cowboy lang and a dick about a foot long, I got it was tremendous. Gotcha. I'm glad you get my way out. My old Colorado, I can hear him see him now. Can you be laid that regular? Can be laid no. Tokyo's in a little back seat, cats picking his head. Me too, me too. <laughs> Hell yeah, boys. Let's go. I'll work on it. Let me get, let me get the cell phone range here. <laughs> yeah, right. So I'll, think- I'll start calling them now. <laughs> but things were different back then. Now you just mentioned everyone has a cell phone now, yeah, taking yeah, pictures yeah, yeah, and yeah. filming everything. You, you could do a little bit more then yeah, and not yeah, have yeah, to worry yeah, about. Yeah, uh, probably Lang wouldn't get over right now. Let's come into a bar with me. We could try it, but it wouldn't last. Long. <laughs> These guys could drink a lot too. Oh God, they sure could. Yeah, yeah. Well, God, you know they were getting. They got so. I don't know who got screwed worse, the girl wrestlers and the midgets, because uh, Lord Littlebrook ran them out of St. Joe here. Ironically, right? This guy for if they got two hundred bucks, they got to keep fifty of it. Wow. So he'd be almost like, uh, for lack of a yeah. term, like a pimp. Like Mola, like Mola took all the girls' money. Wow. How could, how could yeah. they have that that hold? They, 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 the most they probably got is fifty percent. Hmm. And it's, it's it's hard to believe that they would have that kind of pull for so many years. Like Mula was forty years of that. They're the Booker though. The Little Brook. They all went to work for Little Brook. They didn't work for him. But the only guy that is a Canadian guy. That a guy named Sky Lolo. Hmm. Uh, another guy who was from Montreal, Little Beaver. Right. But initially, they all came to Little Brook too. So was it the same thing like, like trying to book the NWA champion? If you yeah, wanted exactly, to book a midget, yeah. you'd call Little Brook exactly, or Mula. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Yep. Huh. Have you all, everything got booked through Mula? Everything got booked through Lord Littlebrook. Who to your fate, you'd love him, but he was robbing the guys blind. Well, I guess, yeah, because you, you, you'd heard that for years on how that was, which just still blows my mind. But another question I was going to ask you, we're talking about the Japanese guys, when you worked uh, in Oki, um, and what it was like to work with, with him. Yeah, and I remember, I think we, I told you, I had just, um, I never worked with him before until... Oh, really? I never met him to North Korea. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I never talked to him in my life before or after. I talked after the match, but not until we got back into you, Japan. You just met him in the ring, basically? Yeah. And this is in North Korea in front of like the biggest crowd. 90,000 people, yeah. The second night of the two-day event. Wow. Yeah. So t- tell us about that, because that's North Korea yeah, communist. Yeah, Pyongyang, Pyongyang, yep. It was brutal. I went with Muhammad Ali. Originally, the thing with way Bischoff sold to me was... Um, uh, it was going to be me, Ted Turner, Jimmy Carter, Jane wow. Fonda, Muhammad Ali, mm-hmm. and, the, and ultimately what happened is he asked they asked George Foreman first. He said no because of North Korean mm-hmm. controversy, right? They asked Hogan. He said no. So he came to me. I said yes because I really had no choice. Is the way he put it to me, right? <laughs> Telling me I'll be more famous than Lawrence Saylor. Um, <laughs> 
But it ended, ended up being me and Norton and the Steiners and but and Holly. But Holly and I traveled on a private jet alone. Wow, yeah, pretty cool. From the states to North Korea? No, from oh. uh, from we we flew to Tokyo and then from Nagoya. Nagoya to Poyang on a private jet. So tell me about that. How is uh, that? Just strange. Just me and Ali and his and his handler. Who'd you talk about? Uh, well, he could talk back. I I'd met I'd met him several times. Oh, okay. So he's a really nice guy. He could talk okay. Because he, he was just, he just doesn't talk. I mean, but I mean, what did you talk about? Like just like oh, I talked two about dudes him hanging and up, and all the stuff. You know, mm-hmm. I, mean, I didn't I didn't grow up on him. I'm older than he is, I, I think. But um, you know, he was banging it out when I was mm-hmm. started. In the seventies, you know, because obviously, sure, he draft, he dodged the draft and all that, or just refused refused to go to be drafted. Remember, mm-hmm. um, he might be older than I am now. I'm not sure. Anyway, but it was, it was just funny. He does magic tricks and stuff like that. You know, he's yeah, a fun guy. Yeah, yeah. I was so nervous to get to go there, and they weren't serving us any booze on the plane or anything, so it just didn't help. <laughs> So what happens when you land in North Korea? He took our passports and took us to two separate hotels, me all by myself and him. Wow. Check us in different hotels. And then, so this was like a, a 190,000 people, like you said. Yeah, it was, it was supposed to be the Peace Games. It was a theme, right? And um, because uh, Noki is Korean, as you know. Mm-hmm, right? right. And the Korean, and Jap- Korean people and Japanese people do not get along at all. The Koreans... Hate the Japanese as much as they hate right. the United States. Like Tenru was even Korean. There's a lot of famous. Did you oh, know Tenru? Tenru yeah, I didn't know that. No. Tenru is his Japanese name. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, there's okay, no, there's a not. few. I believe Choshu is as well. Ricky Choshu. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. There's a, it's like they have to be kayfabe yeah. Japanese because they don't like the Koreans, like you said. Yeah. You know. Yeah. There's a few real famous yeah. ones. I wish Choshu had stayed. <laughs> Another guy I didn't like working with. Oh, really? Oh, God. Stiff. Yeah. Well, just didn't want to work. Yeah. Yeah. No, he wasn't stiff. He was actually a pretty good worker when he wanted to, you know. I can never understand that. Why would you not want to work? Is it showing that they're tougher no, than you? or? I guess, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Easy. You have it your way. <laughs> Same to you either way, yeah. right? It's good. What do you, doesn't matter. Same pay for me. Was there ever any time, and we'll get back to Korea in a second, was there ever any time when you went there and they tried to change a finish on you or something? Because when you go as an NWA champ. Oh, they sent Harley one time with me. You know the story. I don't think I do. That's the true story. What, what is it? Well, they wanted to switch the belt, and, they, and our alliance over here said no. I had to wrestle Saruta for an hour, right? They sent Harley with me. <laughs> Harley man- managed me. <laughs> You never heard that? No. Oh, that's Lord. That story is legendary. <laughs> so he he comes to yeah, stand. Yeah, calls me and said, "Look at uh, you, when you go to Japan, they were trying to switch the belt. We told them no, so we're sending a Harley with you." I said, "For like what? For why don't I knew what that meant, right?" <laughs> Harley just sat out there. Harley sat out there and going, "This is. I'm not gonna do this the rest of my life. Walk around, and make sure you don't get stretched." <laughs> Did you guys have a plan? Like if he starts stretching me, old? No, they don't. They don't. They never would screw around with Harley Race. They were scared of Harley. Wow. Harley beat the crap out of a couple of them. Tenro being one of them. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Trying to take liberties or something? Yeah, he suplexed him one time on land on his head after the match was over, and Harley, and Harley didn't didn't call it. Boy, he walked it back in there. He dressed into separate, you know, the Budokan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he came and got me. He said, watch this. this is a good learning point. Harley was champion then. Well, he went back there, and Big Bob was sitting there smoking that big right-hand cigar, right? And... uh Harley walked over to him and said, and walked up to Saruto and slapped him, knocked him right off the goddamn bench. And said, if you ever do anything like that again, unless I call it in the ring, I'll leave you laying out there. 
put on the whole dressing room like this, all the other boy, young boys. <laughs> what did Baba do? Nothing. He would probably... Baba and Harley were really close friends. would expect that, yeah. right? Yeah. Was Harley one of the toughest guys? Mm-hmm. I thought the toughest. Really? Mm-hmm. The toughest? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just from the way he carried himself? Yeah, just he, he liked to fight, too. He was just mean. Hmm. Mean. And he was left-handed, you know, with that iron, that... 10-inch plate in his arm from the car wreck that killed his first wife, you know, when he was 19. And he's got a head on him like a cement block, which is legendary. I've seen him just smash guys and headbutt them. And then everybody, he's smoking a cigar, smoking a cigarette with his right hand, right? And so people automatically think you're right-handed, right? Boy, he'd be, some guy would look at him watching his right hand, and man... Oh, he would fake him out with the right, hit him with the left. Fake him out so much. It's just you're watching the right hand when the confrontation starts. And Harley's Harley's putting his cigar out like the guy's same time. Bam. I mean, mean, it's like having brass knuckles in. Right, yeah. The the plate is from here. I'm pointing. Oh, the top top of his wrist? All the way to here. Wow. Eight eight inches long. And you hit his his hand, you hit his arm, it feels like that. Wow. Yeah, cast iron plate. You know, it's funny, my dad used to play for the Oklahoma yeah. Blazers in, like, 67, yeah. minor league, and he almost got in a fight with Harley Race. Did he really? And they separated. I'm like, yeah. Dad, I don't know how you would have done, but my yeah. dad was a goon hockey yeah. fighter, too, yeah. so, you know, yeah. it was just, like, the same thing. Like, well, here's the deal with Harley. They just knew, even like Danny Hodge, like, how you would have enjoyed this yesterday when you get Harley. Harley was telling the story about Hodge trying to get, it was him and, uh, him and Larry Henning in Denver one night. It was when I first started. I wasn't there to see it, but I guess, like, when two shooters get together, Ganya and Hodge against right, they like to out see who can outshoot the other. Yeah, and so Hodge was who was tougher than hell, you know, was grabbing Harley and Harley said, "I guess they just forgot that my, I got these man and I twisted Hodge's nuts off. <laughs> he never even looked at me again and Ganya didn't say shit about it. Well, Harley Race was afraid of nobody. He didn't care about wrestling. He told Billy Robinson the same thing. Really? Yep. I don't care about wrestling. I'll beat your ass. I'll beat the shit out of you. You'll never know what hits you. You can stretch me all day long. Wow. Yeah. You, I mean, by the way, you can't anyway. What do you say? <laughs> oh, yeah. Because <laughs> that, was, that was the era of guys that could shoot. Yeah. Uh, everybody wanted to prove how tough they were. It's a whole different era than now. The guys, I can't think of one guy over there that would enjoy that time frame. In, in the locker room now? Yes. That would enjoy that. Because Nick, Nick Nimitz might like it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was what, what if it didn't go on every day, but if a guy was pretty tough, yeah, there was always someone wanted to try him out, right? <laughs> it would just start out, you know, like uh, like just taking trying to take a guy down when it wasn't called or something, and then you know you try that with Jack Briscoe, and you get it's a bad night for you, man. Wow. And Jack didn't look like all that, but <laughs> yeah, just like a yeah. normal burly yeah, guy. Yeah, just a right? normal. Well, not even that. Jack was lean, you know. Mm. When he dropped a title, he only weighed 190 pounds. Really? Oh yeah, he lost so much weight. He was doing an hour every night with Dory all over the country, right? And uh, yeah, Jack, I guess his best body weight was like 230, but he weighed about 195. He came in a greens for one time. I said, "Man, you better get off the cigarettes." He said, "Off the cigarettes?" He said, "I need to get off the road." Because he could, he would drink 30, but 30, you know, the Budweiser story about him and Jerry. They could drink that Budweiser and smoke a pound of marijuana and drive past 20 exits to their to their home. They did it with Rotunda one night. They left Richmond and drove all the way to Greenville, South Carolina, past nine exits in Charlotte. 
so smoked up <laughs> are you kidding me that's a micro ton of the day when you grab him that's what it's like traveling with jack and jerry <laughs> and mike too said when he came in he was like a, a rough and tumble no uh, yeah drink, you know smoke yeah, yeah. So he yeah. started hanging with you guys and not me oh, and the briscoes no they could dick buyer broke him in right and uh-huh. dick buyer's is a call to jack briscoe dick was an amateur us right mm-hmm. went syracuse you know i said take care of my kid okay <laughs> Get in the back, kid. They about killed him. <laughs> Breaking in with the brisket wasn't me. <laughs> me and Piper just tuned him up a couple of times. He <laughs> was his regular travel with the shooters. <laughs> I was, uh, first of all, I want to talk about some of these you just mentioned. But we're talking about the shooters. Here you are as the world champion. Hmm? Not really a shooter. Not really at all. Did, For, did, most nothing. definitely. Nothing. Your entertainment, no, you know, uh, high school state champion is it. <laughs> so yeah. did anyone ever try to stand up, sit up, switch? <laughs> right. Good low Bruce single, fireman's carry. That's it. <laughs> Did anyone ever try and double cross you in the ring? No, no. That because never by the time you get to be the champ level, yeah, it's yeah. Like... no, no, that never happened. Yeah. But Japan, they thought of it. And I couldn't have done anything with Saruta. I don't know if he could have pinned me. I hate to say I don't want to give up on myself that bad. I don't know what they thought he could do, but he was a lot tougher. I mean, he was a good amateur wrestler. Mm-hmm. I won't say I'll never concede he was tougher, but he, you know, that they were afraid he would they could catch a fall on me. I think. I think they were just as equally afraid, kind of like what we just did with uh, the Sean deal at the referee. Mm. But the referee Ring was the, yeah, the referee lips. was uh, Hattori. Yeah, well, Harley told him to do something, but I will beat the shit out of you. Wow! Don't think Hattori didn't listen to Harley. <laughs> they all did, man. <laughs> I'm sure. And Hattori was tougher than hell. He was an Olympic wrestler. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. But just even seeing Harley yesterday, Harley came to the show, and you know he's yeah. he was moving slow, yeah. but just looking at him, it's like he yeah. still looks tough. Yeah, he does. Yeah. I didn't want to get too close yeah, to him because he grabbed me with his <laughs> hands. Got, no, he's really he's got he hasn't got that that extra double tendon grip, but he's mm-hmm. got really strong hands. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good look at him. He doesn't know how tough he was. He just just yeah. once again just looked like a bar fighter. Yeah. yeah. Burly guy, yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> just quickly quick to finish up the story in Korea. What was it like working in front of 190,000 well, fans? The, they didn't make any noise at all. It was really so strange. Yeah, a little bit of noise, but even less than Japanese. They didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. You know, they thought they were going to get the, the the Greco-Roman Olympic Games. You know, the guy looked at me the first time. I'm sitting up there in the box with the vice president of uh, the vice minister of sports and all that. He goes, "What are they doing?" Oh. And I said, he said, what, what, how, in it, is it, the, why, how come he can throw him out of the rope? And I said, I don't know. They couldn't throw me like that. <laughs> I, got, I was, the guy got more scared. I think they thought they were bringing like Greek, sure, r- like r- Olympic over, style. Wrestling, Olympic style wrestling over. Yeah, they had wow. no idea because we weren't on TV there or anything. Were, were they like eavesdropping on you or stuff like that? You yeah, hear... don't, you never heard the story about Scott Norton? I turned off his phone. Oh, yeah. Scott Norton was talking to his wife, cussing everybody out, saying, I hate this place. These guys are terrible. Da, da, da. Phone went dead. Someone oh, yeah. was listening in on it. Yeah. Well, they, yeah. They just didn't, it's a very conspiracy-filled country. Right. To this day, I would guess. Sure, sure. We've been mm-hmm. there a couple times, but it's Yeah, I remember South that guy looked at my Rolex watch. He said, I, you, that would take me 10 years uh, to earn six dollars a day was their income. Wow, six U.S. dollars a day. So when you go in for the match with Anoki, you said you've never met him before. Mm-hmm. Just feeling it out. Yeah, but I'd, up. I'd, I'd seen him work. And mm-hmm. I knew. I heard he was real Americanized. Yeah, yeah. really easy. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. You mentioned uh, a couple. And of I guys. just called it in the ring, and he listened to me. He speaks English. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy-six yards. The longest field goal ever missed. Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. 
Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What about you just mentioned uh, uh, Piper, and it's been a tough year. Three of your best rivals, friends, everything with Piper and Dusty and and Lanza. Mulligan. I'm sorry, Mulligan. I'm sorry, excuse me. That's hard to deal with, obviously. Piper, every time you say the name Piper, you always got a smile on your face. Yeah, well, great memories. We had a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, Riding together or just working together? Working together, riding together. You know, he had his. He, he went up north, and I stayed down south. But we always kept in touch. You know, mm-hmm. his first baby was born in Charlotte, and uh, when he first came to Charlotte, he lived with me. And you know, just we just really became close. Mm-hmm. Fun together, a lot of fun, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, when he was out of work, I took him to Puerto Rico with me, and he went to Santa Domingo when I wrestled Jack Veneno, and right. You know, went. <laughs> we've had a lot of fun. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you can fill in the blanks yeah, yourself. Yeah. What about a, what about? I want a, your podcast to be good, but not that good. <laughs> How about a guy like Lanza, who, or sorry, I keep saying Lanza, but Mulligan, who just just passed away. Yeah, you show me that picture of the two you guys, yeah. and he looks like another just yeah. a tough son oh, of a bitch. Really tough. Yeah, really tough. Jack Mulligan was in a class by himself. Yeah, I mean, I, he and Harley got into it one night, but it was it was a deal where Jack punched Harley, and Harley went over the bed. And Jack jumped on top of him, and the bed was between. There was a bed and the wall. Oh yeah, yeah, we couldn't get out, but we had to pull them apart. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a win, but you know, then I had to ride home with both of them. Boy, that was fun. (laughs) Me and Wahoo, Jesus, I was just waiting for them to break out, but nothing happened, you know. Well, that's what happens with guys that get kind of mad at each other, yeah. and then it kind of just goes away. Well, in the old days, a guy just did that. I mean, if you did, if kind of like what somebody said in the old days. He just punched him. I mean, it just is what it was. Mm-hmm. I've seen it a thousand times. You know, the guys get away with a lot of stuff now, man. They get away with saying it on the Internet, mm. you know, instead of confronting people. I mean, Jesus. You're talking about the boys talking shit about yeah, each other or whatever, yeah, right? Yeah, you know the deal. Nobody, mm. And then when they see each other, it's like, oh, yeah. 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 It wasn't like that before. No. Well, what would happen if there was a fight? Would the promoter even say anything to you? Like here, if like if you and I got in a fight right now, we'd have to go sit in front of Vince and mm-hmm. say what happened or whatever. But would there be any kind of those repercussions if you guys got in a fight back then? No, no I, I would just break it up. Mm-hmm. You know, say, you know, don't, you know, you know. Sometimes the promoters pushed it. They wanted to see what was going on. You know what I mean? In what way? Well, if the guys didn't like each other, they'd put them in the ring, and it would be a hell of a match. Ah, <laughs> oh, to see. Yeah, but that didn't happen very often. I, I, can't, I can't say I've seen that happen. The, one of the few times I saw that happen was that when Randy and Lanny were partners, because Randy broke into Charlotte too, right? Mm-hmm. And they didn't get along with the Garvins. But Ronnie and uh, Ronnie couldn't stand them. And Ronnie and, well, that was a hell of a fight every night. Because Gar- Randy would stand up, and Lanny could barely, you know, could barely move back then. Yeah. In terms of anything anything aggressively, right? Right. But uh, Randy Silverman, but Randy and Ronnie Garvin, man, they fought. We were we all off the stage watching the old Columbia Memorial, right? In the ring? In the ring, oh yeah, man, they had at it. Every night, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Ronnie, you know, Ronnie, Ronnie uh, I, don't, I don't think Randy weighed 190 pounds then. Mm-hmm. When he first came from baseball. Um, and Ronnie just didn't like it, didn't respect him, you know, Ronnie was half tough, you know, mm-hmm. thought he was anyway. Um, but, you know, it worked out. I can't remember seeing, you know, if you think about it in the history, because we was, that was a big subject back when I was in the business, 
The tough guy is like Ganya and Tez never never worked. Never worked. Ganya and Tez never worked against, against each other. Yeah. Ganya and uh, Danny Hodge never worked against each other. Tez never won against Ganya, against Danny Hodge. They never heard about that. There was a guy named Ruffy Silverstein. You can ask that name later on, and nobody messed with either back then. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I never met him, but he was in the Chicago area guy. It was about five guys, but you never saw him hands down with any of them. And, and Buddy Rogers wouldn't work with any of them. Just because they didn't want to take the chance of uh, something breaking out? or No, just because they, 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 nobody wanted to lose their reputation. <laughs> yeah, right. Or inside inside that ring. to keep their reputation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about a guy like Brody? Uh, Brody, he didn't care. He'd do anything. I mean, I, they asked Jack Briscoe to get, you know, cut, cut himself one night, and Jack said, I don't, I don't do that. Mm-hmm. Nobody, Jack never never would do that. Mm-hmm. Brody hit him over there with a chair in Greensboro. Ten stitches. <laughs> You're gonna get Brody it either way. Buffaloed. Buffaloed as far as in terms of what you know. What I thought. I thought. I, thought, I said. Camera. I think it was watching Greg Gong and I watched. I said Jack will beat the crap on nothing. Really, another just super tough Brody guy. He just walked around. Yeah. Well, I don't think he's as tough as Jack Brisk, but he was so much bigger. Mm-hmm. Six six three hundred. He just picked up a chair and whacked him. Mm-hmm. You know what? You, 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 I couldn't comprehend doing that. I don't think Harley Race would get. Well, out of respect. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Right, right, right. Well, and, and that's the thing that you still always had that respect with those guys, yeah. which I mean, that, that's part of the business. What you have, yeah. but I, I like the yeah. the saltiness yeah. of it too. Hey, next time we see Harley, one of the best stories of all time is in Japan. A lot of times, the guys in the old days would play cards mm-hmm. to pass the time in the locker room, right? And I guess uh, Luke Graham was cheating, right? And I don't know the story for sure, but you know, I know the story, but that the Harley side of it. Yeah. So Harley whacked Luke Graham, boy, and beat the crap out of him and dressed him, right? So that night, the Briscoes waited for Harley. They're friends with Luke Graham, right? Waited for Harley, and the Brisco- both the Briscoes jumped Harley in the elevator at, Co- at Keel Plaza. Wow. Now, Harley said, I had them both down. <laughs> he didn't know what the f*** they were messing with. <laughs> I had butted Jack, and I bit Jerry. <laughs> he asked the Briscoes, he killed Harley. I'm sure, right, right, right. What I happened? had butted Jack, and I bit Jerry. <laughs> he didn't know what, the, what did they think they were doing with me in an elevator. <laughs> by 10, no way. <laughs> I'd like to see that fight, right? It's like <laughs> smoking the cigar. Yeah. What's the finish? No, 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 no. Marlboro. <laughs> What's your finish, kid? Did uh, jumping off a top rope? I'll move. Presented to Henning. He said to Henning. That was Henning asking, and, I'm, and obviously I'm embellishing the voice. Yeah. Same thing. Triple H, right? In, in Atlanta. <laughs> I go. I go. Hunter, this guy is. Uh, the, the, please meet Harley Race. He was just a big fan, but hadn't met him, right? Mm. Harley goes. Say nice, nice, nice to meet you, kid. Um, who broke you in? Killer Kowalski. He's the shit. <laughs> <laughs> End of conversation. <laughs> That's kind of the story. It's the best. I can tell you got a lot of respect for Harley. Oh, yeah. Was he in the business before you? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, he gotcha. Started, yeah. Harley started in business. He was 13 years old. Really? He drove Happy Farmer Humphrey around and wiped his ass. Really? Took care of him, yeah. 13. Wiped his... Both Harley. I mean, ask Harley sometime. He really went the hard way. Wow. But the thing about Harley, you can say, yeah, he drove around happy Farmer Humphrey, who was bigger than his staff Calhoun. That was his job. 
From carnival to carnival. When you said he wiped his ass, was taking care of him, or did he literally have to wipe? Literally wiped his ass. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, take care of him. I never met Happy Farmer Humphrey. I, I'm trying to think if I met Haystack or not. I think Haystack died just about the time that I got in the business. He had diabetes so bad. I know he lost a leg. I may have met Haystack one time. I'm not sure, but he was 600. But you can imagine Happy Farmer Humphrey was 800 pounds. 800 pounds. And and Harley drove him around from. You got to hear these stories from uh, carnival to carnival. Really? Mm-hmm. And literally had. Literally to- took care of him. So the promoter would say, "You got to drive this guy around and, and whatever it may be." From the time he was 15 years old, as soon as he got his license, he was driving him around. Hmm. I had to do that one weekend. Uh, Cornette had me drive Dick Murdoch around. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that was fun, though, It right? was great. Yeah, geez. But Dick was a little bit intimidating yeah, for yeah, a young guy yeah. like me, but once what, I got driving... What an educational, huh? Dude, he could throw that beer yeah. bottle yeah. and smash <laughs> the, the, on a road sign every time. Yeah, he laughed, too, boy. Yeah. <laughs> what a performer. Uh, underrated, I think, in the overall history. Uh, well, I think in the long range he was, but God, I mean, not, not if you knew him. Mm-hmm. He was... God, he was good. Really a great, great worker. Really, it started with him, you know. Dick was there with Dusty. Believe it or not, Dusty was was the, the stick guy. But at one time, those guys when they, they were called the Outlaws, mm-hmm. they were a hell of a tag team boy. Because mm-hmm. Dusty could work, he just got more into entertainment. Mm-hmm. But Dusty could talk, and Murdoch could really work. I mean, they were a hell of a team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A guy and they had those guys. They do, they do a lot of money for Bill Watts together too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They started up with Gagne. Yeah, yep. Is that where you started up there too? Yep, I started with Vern. Yep, Gagne, yeah. You trained with Vern as well, right? Right. Yeah, both Dusty and Murdoch broke in with the Funks. Okay. Yeah, with uh, uh, Dory Senior and then Dory Junior, and they all those guys are from the same place. So when you're talking about, like, you mentioned so many like Jack Briscoe and Dory mm-hmm. Funk and Harley Race, and who, who who were your favorites out of those guys to work with? Were they all? Top, 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 or were there some? All top, top, top. Mm-hmm. I, um, my least favorite to work with would have been Dory, because it's just a different style than me altogether. You know, and Dory was, you know, hip lock, slam, headlock, take over. Then he would lean on you hmm. with his, you know what I mean? He just said, like, he held you down. Oh, okay. N- not not shooting with you. I mean, great worker, but I like the guy that was, I liked an up and down kind of guy. Move. Like, like Terry mm-hmm. uh, Murdoch was up and down, but, you know, just a great wrestler, too. Mm-hmm. Dusty, um, you know, obviously, like Steamboat, you know, guys like, I like guys that can, you know, get around like that. Right. Um, I mean, Steamboat was, geez, in such a league of, you never got to work with him. Oh, you one time. I did, yeah. Yeah, but he was 55 years and old. he was still better than 80% yeah, of the yeah, roster. Unreal, right? You know? Yeah. He actually had a little bit of a run after that. He worked for about yeah, five or six months saying, and worked yeah. for a while, yeah. What a performer. Huh? Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, you have no know, idea. It'd be like if Gretzky came yeah, back and played yeah, today, yeah. he wouldn't be as good as he was, yeah. but still better yeah, than most. Yeah, he's just phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, you and him in Houston, well, he tore it down, and he got him, he did so well. Yeah. You guys had a couple more matches. Yeah, Vince like, yeah. put him on the road as a, like a yeah. player coach sort of yeah. thing. That was fun. Was that the first guy you ever worked like that, like a high-flying, because there wasn't a lot of guys that worked that style at that point yeah, more, in time. Uh, yeah, that's what kind of made him unique for me, because I, I was working with Wahoo when he started and with Paul Jones and guys like that, but Wahoo was a great worker, right? But different style. Mm-hmm. But Wahoo moved at a good pace too. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but Wahoo, he got heavier, he slowed down. I mean, um, but I learned so much about working for Wahoo, just the psychology and really. Yeah, Wahoo was he was a great, great. Act. Why he's not in the Hall of Fame, I have no idea. Hmm. So you're learning as far as just the typical when to do things and, and when to do things that you know. 
because you know he was the one that said, you know, cut me off, get me down, you know, never because I wouldn't know. Even though you're the heel, he was he's telling me to it. get it down. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. where I learned from, you know, because mm-hmm. he knew that if I got him down, the people were coming and bigger comeback. You know right, I mean? right, 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 right. He would sell. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And of course, he always wanted to whack himself in his <laughs> ear, neck, shoulder, like dusty anything. Um, yeah, I learned a lot. I wrestled Wahoo so much for so long. And of course, then I had Murdoch to work with, and I had um, uh, Paul Jones. I learned a lot from him. Believe it or not, I learned a little bit from Johnny Weaver. Hmm. Um, I didn't like Johnny's work that much, but working with him, Nelson Royal. Those are real yeah, kind of old time guys. I, I, I was with Valentine a lot, but I didn't like John's work, his style. Mm-hmm. But he still talked me through a lot, right? Because John's the kind of guy, well, he'd say to me, just the opposite of what I was being told, right? Like, you, Valentine would not let you throw him rope to rope. Really? No, no. You never saw Valentine take a bump. He fell on his back or fell on his face. He wouldn't let him. He said, well, how can somebody throw me from rope to rope? Really? He, he, he wouldn't even take a turn buckle. Wow. Yeah, no, Valentine wouldn't do it. He just grabbed a whole point, hold it down. Yeah. And is this one of the guys you would have to work with for 60 no, no, minutes? No, no, no. Okay. My, he's my partner. Oh, okay, gotcha. Johnny Valentine and I were partners. When we crashed in the plane, we were partners. So would you come and have to do all the all the bumping then? Yeah, of course. But I, I like working like that. I yeah. like his style. But God, he just got the heat and I took the comeback, you know. And he, But yet he got himself over by working that he way. He did because every territory sacrificed three or four baby faces to get him over. To get him over. Yep. But once he got that one, because people started saying, well, that's real. Mm-hmm. If you can hold a guy down, it must be real. Right. Nobody else has ever done it. Yeah, but it worked. If you can get it over and make it that, like, because mm-hmm. what territory would that be with Valentine? Well, that was Carolina's. With okay. Me. Yeah. Right, right, right. In Mid-Atlantic. Right. Yeah. Did you work with Greg a lot, too? I worked Greg, and he was my partner. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So you worked so many of these guys before you even kind of really hit the mainstream. Yeah, exactly. with, with Greg and I were world tag team champions hmm. like five times. So what was it like when, when let's say we're talking about Vince Jr., when he took over the WWE and starts making this big you know, nationwide thing, and you're a, a bona fide territory guy. Yeah. What did you think about that when it started happening? Well, at that time, I was a champion, so I didn't think, you know, I just didn't recognize it, you know what I mean? But, I, but I, you know, I, I saw all the guys going, and obviously the door was open for me to go, but I just, mm-hmm. and maybe if I hadn't been a champion, I might have gone, you know what I mean? But I was in a place where I wanted to be in and so proud of my position. And at that time, I think the prestige, at least since like someone that's like your eyes, You'd rather see the NWA champion than see Hulk Hogan, mm-hmm. I would think. I mean, I don't know mm-hmm. based on what you. Well, get, growing up in Canada, yeah. I would rather see Ricky Steamboat yeah. than Hogan because yeah. I didn't know anything else. I never yeah. got to see you guys. Yeah, exactly. The first time I ever saw you is when you came to work for. Uh, okay, well then you, but well, you'd rather see Vern Gagne. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I'd rather see the guys Nick, that Nick work. Bockwinkle. Sure, yeah, sure, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, big time, yeah, big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whoever the AWA was. Yeah, exactly. That's the first and, time I ever heard. Until they made the Visco champion, then you said watch something else. Forget it. You came in about 82 or so, probably to work against Bockwinkle in Winnipeg. Yeah, yeah. And I remember... For an hour, you were there that night. I was there. Yeah, you told but, me. Uh, but I had just seen your name yeah. in the magazines. Yeah. So it was so important yeah. to see the magazines yeah. then. Yeah. But I would never really yeah. had any idea. Yeah. You know? That's the only time Nick and I ever worked. Really? Yeah. yeah. 60 Minutes. Yeah. He was great, too. Yeah, phenomenal. You yeah. know? Great guy. You know, he just passed away. I know. It's another guy. Yeah. You yeah. know? Alzheimer's. Really bad. Because for him, he was a guy that I was uh, really influenced yeah. by, especially eight and nine oh, yeah. suits, big words. Eight to five humanoid lifers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Remember you know, that? Yeah, yeah. Eight to five humanoid. That even got heat with me. 
But I got to tell you something. I love Nick, but you know, when Ray Stevens was standing next to him and Bobby Heen in the middle, there was nothing like that. Really? Oh, the not, in my, not in my estimation. I think but people I forget that. how amazing Heenan was. Oh, my God, in the ring and on the mic. Yeah. Yeah, they just quit. You know, if, he, if he got in the ring, they didn't care what else happened. <laughs> they got Bobby Heenan in the ring and boom, boom, <laughs> yeah. upside down and around between him and Ray. Nick didn't have to do anything. Yeah. But no, Bobby was a great worker. He'd take those crazy bumps. Jesus, and whack himself all the time. And, <laughs> and, and fearless. Mm -hmm. Fearless. I was in the, in the old uh, amphitheater in Chicago one night when he was managing Mulligan and Lanza against the Crusher and Bruiser. And that guy was shooting at him with a, with a twenty two rifle up in the balcony. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Back in those days, Chris, they'd grab the marks and bring them back in the dressing room. I'd never seen anything like it. And throw them in the locker room with the guys. Ooh. Just the so they could... jump up. Mark jumped on the boys. The cops would bring them back. This is in the early 70s. Back into the locker room and throw the guy in there. And man, it was not good. I, it actually was thought, oh my God. You're going to kill him. Thank God I didn't do it. No, thank God. I never was crazy enough because I, when <laughs> I was younger, I thought, I'm not afraid of those guys. You know, right? <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. Because you hear about. Beat the crap out of me. Wow. Yeah. You tell them the guy had, and then threw the guy out the street. It's like in the movies, <laughs> like at the back in the alley, the back door. <laughs> the cops were right there watching. They didn't give a shit. They loved it. Did you ever get accosted by a fan, stabbed, or anything like that? No, no, no. But I've been in the ring. And they, uh, they have Mulligan had me in the backbreaker one night for the U.S. title, and Bill Eady ran in mm -hmm. to save me. And they stabbed Eady. We had a full scale rap. I got out with a, but Eady got stabbed. Wow. Same match, but I've never been stabbed or cut like that. No. How about riots in the ring? I've been in like five, five real bad ones. The first one being in Atlanta, when uh, we turned on, when I turned back on Dusty in the cage match, mm -hmm. and they closed in the ring. We were in the ring for over an hour. Me and Iron asked Iron in the cage. In the cage with the fans. Yep, we couldn't get out. Wow. In the Omni. Are they trying to scale the cage? Yeah. Oh yeah, we were knocking them out, coming over the top. You kidding me? You know, the funniest thing of all was the first one to come over the top was Sam, um, Jake's brother. Sam. Sam Houston. Yeah, and Oli came over, and he only thought he was a fan. Bam, stomped him in the head, knocked him out. Aaron goes, you stupid <laughs> one of ours. <laughs> he was trying to come in to help yeah, you guys. Yeah, It's like a zombie movie. You're yeah. trying to knock them off the yeah, cage. Yeah. So how did they finally... The cops finally got him back. We called them emergency cops and asked Aaron to be. They backed him out, and we got it. it took us about an hour to get out of there. It's unbelievable yeah. to think about that yeah. in comparison to now. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny. I was, I was going to mention this to you. Back in 2009, I had a lot of heat here mm -hmm. with the fans. I got attacked on the street in Victoria. Yeah, I remember that. By, yeah. But that was probably, I think, the last era where you that's going to happen. Because I don't think people... Well, the islands that happened all the time. The mm -hmm. you, you had to hear about, about uh, you know? Dominican Republic. Right. A huge riot there twice with me. Once with me and then once I had Piper with me. And then that other island, it was terrible. Trinidad, two big riots there. And then one in uh, Barbados, I was wrestling in that bodybuilder, Roy Callender, Mr. Olympia, the black mm -hmm. guy from Montreal, but yeah, he's yeah, from yeah. Albedos, Barbados. Yeah. And we had a riot, and uh, the, the cops were riding to get, get the people back and ride horses over there. Uh -huh. And they, were sh they shot the horses. The fans did? Yeah. And where are you guys at this time? I was in the rain. I couldn't get out. But how do you keep people from, like the cage, I can understand, but if you're in the ring, what do you do? I'm just fighting to get out of there. I mean, we all oh my were. Gosh. Yeah, just trying to get out. And then if, in Trinidad, if it hadn't been for Tor Dory and Terry and the Moondogs,
coming to you, I'd still be in Trinidad. <laughs> that, you know, it was crazy. 30,000 people in a stadium. That's a lot of shit going on, man. What happened to cause these sort of riots? Just to finish. People don't like to finish. Finish the match. Yeah, you that's winning. Why ours were so popular. Mm. But in like in in Trinidad in uh, in um, Dominican Dominican Republic, Veneno like, it was right. He had to sleep around. It was a finish. You know, one, two, and rang a bell. When my arm was going out. They thought he won. Wow. And they raised my hand. They tried to give me the bell. I said, "Fuck you!" That's for talking about title changes. That, Right. No, no. I so what, when your arm was coming down, the bell rang because it was the time limit? Yeah. But the people thought yeah. that he... Yeah. So yeah. did you just give him the title? I threw it at him. <laughs> Kid, I couldn't get out of the ring again. <laughs> Jesus. And at that time, the only guy to come down and help me out was um, uh, uh, Jose Gonzalez. Hmm. He helped get me out of the ring. Cause I, nobody spoke English over there. I was the only one there. Wow. That's why when they wanted me to come back, I said, let me bring Piper with me, right? Well, that was even worse. Because then they, what they wanted me Piper to do was trip him, right? Oh, another full scale riot. So, I mean, you, you, I mean, you, you talking about the islands too. Mm-hmm. It's a third world country. Yeah. You're lucky you didn't yeah. get stabbed no, or just I know. disappear forever. I know. I know. You know. Yeah. Talk about things being a different era back then. Mm-hmm. You literally could get killed. I know. From from so that's why you can imagine how we how we were seeking. Um, <laughs> We're trying to asylum (laughs) at every level. (laughs) Assistance, (laughs) which you can find over there very easily too. Right? Yeah. If you guys know the right people, a lot of that. (laughs) So once again, when you get sent to these places, are you like they're going to kill me over here? How can you send me here, uh, Jim Barnett? I know. Well, Barnett didn't care as long as he was getting paid. I got five thousand each time I went. I got five thousand the first time and seventy five hundred. That's a lot of money to a say. A lot no of to money for to do nothing, right? Right. And stay in a nice resort if you make it out of there alive. <laughs> yeah. If you know what's with me? You know, you know what can vouch for all these stories? George Napolitano went with me both times. Really? Yeah. George will tell you. So what would George come there to take pictures yeah, for his of magazine? Course, yeah, yeah. 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 George went over with me. <laughs> all the foreign countries, man. <laughs> Jesus. Sent by the NWA, or he would just come along for his... No, oh, sent by the, whoever the publisher was. Mm. That's why everybody lived. You know, that's why Brody and Hanson wouldn't do business in the United States, because ju- all Japan had to go on with the magazines. Oh. The American magazines, you know, right? right. Number one, number two, yeah, number yeah. one heel, number yeah, yeah, one yeah. You know, most popular. I mean, that's all they cared about. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I had after on the show, and he was telling me he would call yeah. the, the territories, like, who's... You know, hey Stu, who's, who's yeah. your top ten this week? Yeah. Would you guys read those and go, "This is bullshit," or would did you just? Oh, I would even... tell that for us, Tom. What do you mean? How can Piper as tough as me? <laughs> but best bad guy? Are you kidding? <laughs> oh, ask him. Yeah, yeah. I used to give him shit all the time. I said, "I'm not talking anymore." <laughs> Rank number two. <laughs> yeah. Behind Hogan and Bogwinkle, or number three? Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a great story you told me once. I just want you to, to tell it when you said we were talking about your schedule, how hard it was mm-hmm. when you got sent to Japan. Mm-hmm. And you had like a, 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 a nervous breakdown. So t- tell me okay. about this. It's a, so, okay. it's a great story. I've been story. in Florida all week long, right? right? And the last night, I was in a cage match with Butch Reed for an hour, right? Not and easy. Eddie, Eddie, no, no, easy match. Normally, okay, easy. But in, Eddie said, Eddie would do crazy stuff. You couldn't use the cage as a weapon. Hmm. So I'm in there for an hour. Butch, I always like working with him, right? Okay. But I put whack on myself, boom. Boom, we get through the hour. He could work. Mm-hmm. But it'd be a lot easier to fake coming out and climbing out of the well, cage. sure. I could climb out of it, but you couldn't bang my head against it. I couldn't throw him into it. Okay. Make sense? Yeah. yeah. Try to climb out of it, right? So went the hour one. But Butch, I enjoyed working with him a lot. 
But I would have been up all night yeah, with traveling with Hector Guerrero and kidding <laughs> all week. When Tampa was a great territory to work in, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, God, my heart was pounding. I was drinking beer like crazy every night. And my, I called my dad on a paper and I said, Dad, <laughs> I said, Dad, my heart breaks. And I can't, what do you think's wrong? He said, when was the last time you got some sleep? And I said, I don't know, let me think what day is this? Anyway, the next morning, Tampa, Chicago, Chicago, uh, Northwest, number three, going over, number four, coming back, right? <laughs> I had a complete meltdown. Yeah. I drank all the way for 12 and a half hours. I said, I have to talk to myself now, right? I'm in the bathroom. I am quitting. Bob, I ain't doing this shit. Because I knew I had three hour Broadways in a row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So I see when I got off the time I got off that plane, Chris, I was flipped. And back then we had a paper ticket, mm-hmm. right? And I had to return flight. <laughs> And I walked around, and the guy goes, I go, where's the next flight back in the States? And I walked right across the aisle, and the guy says, one's leaving for Seattle in an hour. I said, can you use this? He said, yeah, I need to go back to Charlotte. So I went to Seattle, Chicago, Charlotte, right? I could hear Matoka, Flair song, please report the baggage claim. Father's wife. Yeah, I got on it. And I sat down next to this guy, and I go, can I talk to you, please? <laughs> I talked all the way to Seattle. Drank all the way to Seattle. Some stranger. The guy sent me a Christmas card, a Christmas card for a year asking if I was okay. I was completely fried, man. Yeah. Then I slept to Chicago, right? And then I woke up and drank the shower. I landed at like 8 o'clock in the morning, something like that, right? Crockett was there with my wife, and I had to get back on a plane and go back to Tokyo. We landed at 6 o'clock, and I had to wrestle an hour at 8 o'clock. And don't think we didn't have some drinks going back over. <laughs> Are you kidding me? What did Crockett say to you, you when know, you landed? Said, what do you think you're doing? Uh-huh. You're, you're screwing up a big deal for you and for me. Uh-huh. Because right? he's the one that made me president, you know. Right, right. Makes you for champion. We went. But once I got through the first hour, I was fine. <laughs> I told Slater, I said, if a dagger hurt, get killed. Don't tell anybody what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I made Slater stand up under a movie. Like Harley. Well, once I broke a sweat, I was fine. Like, but see, that's you could have told me that, man. But that's the pressure that you had from just constantly uh, going. Well, and not going to bed. You know? Right. Yeah. I just, Chris, I didn't sleep back then. Mm-hmm. I really overstayed my welcome. In case you haven't figured that out. I, I, the one time we were in Japan, the first time WWE yeah, was in Japan. I, I you it was a big deal. He said to me, I was yeah. the champion. I remember saying, I'm going to be, I mean, Flair said it's a big deal. Went out there and had great matches yeah. every night and then went and stayed out till five yeah, or six yeah, in the yeah, morning. And, no, but uh, I told you that you yeah. just become the champion. Yeah. And I said, this is a big deal, man. Yeah. Right here. They get it over here. Yeah. You hadn't been there as a champion. That's right. I'll never forget well, you said that. We stayed all night? Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? Why not? I remember, Are you going on the next tour? Yeah. Are you? Yeah. Here we go, Here we again. go again, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember Pat was with us as the agent. Yeah. And I had a party the last yeah. night. I had a big you party. You know who else was there? Who? Uh, Shane. Yeah. McMahon. McMahon was there. Oh, he was right in. We went to Malaysia, too. too. That's right. <laughs> Are you kidding me? The, last... the Rock was afraid to go. <laughs> I said, come on, Rock. Me and Jericho will take you. <laughs> the last night, Pat said, oh, you, you, should, you shouldn't have this person. I said, Pat, I guarantee yeah. everyone will be on the bus on time. You yeah. can trust me. He's yeah. like, okay. Everyone made on the bus except for me. Yeah. Pat knocks on my door. You got to go on the bus. I'm like, I slept in. No. I'm Flair. I did. <laughs> that was a rough tour. Oh, yeah. I was. the girls in the lobby of the hotel in Malaysia. Oh, we, my God. We didn't understand it. Okay. We just thought. And we that's were... sure from 602, baby. <laughs> Bring your friend, too. <laughs> we just thought we were over. Then yeah, we realized yeah. they're all prostitutes. Yeah. yeah. Mo Blinko was there, too. <laughs> Dean goes, What are you doing? I said, I can't tell you right now. I'll see you. <laughs> Phone might be barred. <laughs> <laughs> what 
time in the weirdness thing. We had to wrap this up here pretty quick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. Uh, how long have we been on? No, we're, just, we're getting ready to go. It's been an hour now, after okay, plus okay. the other one that we had. But uh, well, plus the other one too. Oh no, it's hour total. Okay, no, yeah, okay. hour total, which yeah, is good. Yeah. But this is part one of many. You know, like I we'll said, there's so much we could week? do next week. But yeah. Rick, just a last question: You mentioned all these guys. Who, who was? If you had to pick one, who would be your favorite opponent that you had the best matches with over time? Well, I forget that song. It would be Steamboat. Yeah, because I read the thing about Steamboat is I wrestled him in Japan, and I, everybody thought that that was going to die. They made the mistake of putting me and Steamboat on before what they thought was the main event, Jumbo and somebody, right? Mm-hmm. For the NBA title. Wow. Me and Steamboat on in Tokyo, Japan. They wow. never saw a match like that in their life. Right. You know, we're good with chemistry, and boy, because Steamboat was... Half this, yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. He's he half over Japanese, right? Yeah. yeah, they forgot about that. Mm. They never thought about that, right? They never knew how he'd get the reaction there. Right, yeah, we wow. the same thing, and they put me and Martel, Martel on over there too. Rick Martel, they follow Rick another Martel great worker. Work. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Phenomenal. Great. You know, it, it, it's interesting. I talked to Steamboat one time. I said, "Okay, but he, he was Mart- Martel was a much better worker." Than, than the, the gimmick had appeared as, as the model. Sure. Before that, he could when he wanted to work, he could really work. I saw him in AWA. Yeah, he was, course, he was yeah. a great champion. But yeah. this is the last thing is that Steamboat said, I asked him once, uh, Savage versus Steamboat yeah. or Flair versus Steamboat, yeah. which is your favorite? Yeah. So I love both the matches. Yeah. But he said, Savage, we went over that match for weeks. Yeah. There was like 300 steps. He yeah. said, Flair, we called it in the ring. Yeah, he said, he goes, he goes, which one do you think I like better? Yeah. You know, he said, yeah. Flair. Nobody likes so. learning this stuff. It's hard to do. It is. It's why I sympathize with the kids here mm-hmm. because it, you know my problem and like anybody that's been around like you have is you really don't know what the crowd's going to do until you walk up right the curtain, right absolutely you them all planned out that's not going to buy i mean that's like to keep telling what's just the, the great thing about having a roman i think they struggle with it at first but with the roman they got the best of both worlds mm-hmm. they got a guy that one day can wrestle seth Rollins and be the hottest big bad guy Mm-hmm. In the business, which that match will be huge when they right, have it. Sure, absolutely. Or he can go out and wrestle uh, Hunter and, you know, whatever, right? He's yeah, good. versatile. Whatever yeah. the crowd. It's like yeah. going to a, Which is a good deal, I think, for the company. It's like going to a football game. Exactly. You're going to cheer for their favorite. Yeah. I That's mean, all that matters. Look at the match him and AJ had. Holy mm-hmm. cow. What mm-hmm. a match. Unbelievable. Start, restart, start, restart. Yeah. And, you know, AJ flies around. You should know him. Mm-hmm. He works your style of work. Yeah. But Roman hung right there with him. Yeah, Roman's got yeah, legs. For 30 too. minutes. Yeah, Roman's got legs. And at the end of it, it, made, it makes him a better People performer. are chanting Roman's name exactly, at the end of it because yeah. you can't boo guys having matches like exactly. that. Exactly. You can't you know? anymore. But he just had to work hard to win him over. Yeah. But the company, it just proves everybody right. They did the right thing. It, regardless of Brett, I just saw Brett the other day, but Brett was hammering the company for, yeah. make, for the way they treat Roman. Mm-hmm. Roman's happy as can be. He's doing great. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. Brett's fine now, too. Yeah. As long as he can put the sharpshooter on me, he's happy. <laughs> Wherever you are, Brett, listen to that one. <laughs> Rick, you're the best. Last, last night, your niece put it on me, for the Christ's sake. She broke your jaw. <laughs> yeah, she did. Can't do. Now, we'll talk next week. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Rick. <laughs> Thanks to Rick Flair for sitting down to chat and sharing so many great stories. Uh, Cowboy Lang, I believe, the uh, little person with the big hog. That's a great one. Uh, and thank you to Talk is Jericho listeners for supporting all the great sponsors of this broadcast, including the one who's been here since the very first episode, the OG sponsor, Amazon. Please use the Talk 
is Jericho Amazon links whenever you do any online shopping. Easiest way to support the show. All my Amazon links are at podcast1.com. Click on the killer deals button in the right corner of the page, then hit the Talk is Jericho button. I got Amazon links for the USA, UK, Canada, A. Every time you use Talk is Jericho Amazon links, Amazon kicks back a small percentage of the show uh, to the show to help us cover production costs. And remember, you can buy anything you want on Amazon. And if you buy something, I want you to be a Talk is Jericho Amazon warrior. Post a picture of what you bought on the Twitter at Talk is Jericho. I will retweet it and follow you. Okay, remember, killer deals button uh, at podcast1.com and you'll find all the sponsors. Easy access to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho is on there and the DDP Yoga Now app and also True Car. Once again, podcast1.com and click on the killer deals button. Check out all of those uh, sponsors. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button on iTunes if you haven't already. That way you won't miss any of the great conversation and stories with the guests on this show. Go ahead, hit that subscribe button, leave a five-star rating, comment or two. Let's get high up on the charts, all right? Let's make it happen, Captain. Thank you so much for listening. Keep listening for the 60-second AP News headlines coming up next. And this Friday, we've got some more laughs. We've had a lot of great shows over the last few weeks of just total laughter. Dana Carvey, if you haven't heard Dana Carvey last week, super hilarious. Uh, Dr. Luther, great. Rudolf Shankar, so great. Another fine, fine guest, Jim Brewer, is going to be here on Friday telling hilarious stories about going on safari with James Hetfield, uh, getting Brian Johnson of ACDC to sing on his new metal album, actually his new band, Songs from the Garage, or Garage. It is a comedy metal album, and it's great. He's a good singer, actually, man. That happens uh, to come on on Friday, and how he came up with Goat Boy during his SNL days. We had Dana Carvey last Friday. Keep the SNL connection going with Jim Brewer this Friday. He is completely insane. Super funny. We will see you on Friday. Peace, love, and hugs. Stay hard, stay cool, stay hungry, and a big yeah boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcast1.com. That's podcast podcastone.com.